But this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want us to move past the foundation, move past the building material, the blueprints, and now look at the building materials. What are we using to build this life? And I want you to join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to read verses 10 through 15. So if you would join me in that, it says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed on how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." Verses 10 through 15, the apostle is again using some pictures, illustrations, I guess we could say, uh, to describe a truth. It's almost like a, a parable or an analogy that he's using. Pastors, we use them all the time. Teachers use this type of teaching all the time to use something that we're familiar with to give some insight or further description on that which we may not be as familiar with. And the apostle is using this picture of building on a foundation. And I want us to just look first. The very first thing this morning is I want us to look at the foundation that is laid. Because he makes it very clear where in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to his followers that the firm, strong foundation that's going to be able to support us in life and be able to secure us through all of the disasters and all of the the tribulation that can come, he says is hearing his word and doing it. But the apostle writing to the Corinthian believers is now saying that I have laid that foundation, I have declared Christ, I have shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they have believed it. Earlier on in this chapter, the apostle refers to them as babes in Christ. Even though they were carnal, even though they were worldly, they were suffering from divisions and envy and strife and immorality and all of these things that were going on that caused them to be so worldly and to look so worldly and to not always bear the image of Christ. He still refers to them earlier on as babes in Christ because they had that foundation of Jesus Christ. And the great thing about it is that each one of us that is called on the name of Jesus to be our Savior and Lord Each one of us that can go back to that moment in our life when we trusted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and were born again. The great news is from that moment of our second birth, we have been given a foundation. And that foundation is not there because of our works. That foundation is not there because of our goodness. That foundation is not there because we ourselves laid it. That foundation is there because we have wholly believed on Jesus' name. Because we recognized our sin, we recognized His sacrifice for us on the cross, and we received that full payment for our sins and received Him as our Savior and Lord. 
What a great place for Jesus to be. Aren't you glad that He's not the capstone in, in essence? He's not one of our walls, but He is our foundation. Just like Jesus Himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, that the foundation is indeed, through His illustration, that the foundation is the most important part of our home. Our foundation is the most important part of our life. Let me just say one thing in regards to this picture that the Apostle is drawing, especially in regards to the foundation. We drive down the road, and I think for the most part, we're getting rather numb to it, uh, maybe seeing the disaster, and it's becoming very common to us to see destruction and to see houses there. But for people that drive through Joplin now, it's still so peculiar to see a foundation with nothing on it. And it's still so weird to drive by and to see where houses used to be and there's a foundation, but yet there's nothing on top of it. And, and we know, we know that there's coming a time where something is going to be built on top of that. It may be months, it may be years, I don't know, but we know that there's coming a time where that foundation is eventually going to have a structure built on top of it. And the apostle in this illustration is talking about this foundation that has two different types of materials that are used to build on it. And what he's suggesting to us is that if we have that foundation, we're building something on it. How peculiar it would be three years from now to drive by and to see foundations with nothing on them. Even now, if you were to build a house and you didn't put the house up and you'd had nothing but beyond a foundation, it would be peculiar. It would be odd. And the same thing is true with our life. For all those of us, I believe, according to this in Christ Jesus, I believe we have that foundation. It's the only foundation that can be laid, which is Jesus Christ in the life of the believer. And from that foundation, we're all building something. See, he's not telling them to get building. He's not telling them to build a particular structure. He's, he's warning them on how they're building. He's not telling them to do it. He's telling them to take precaution in how they build on the foundation. So let's look at these different materials that the Apostle is speaking of. First, we saw the foundation that's laid. Now, let's notice the materials that are used. He says in verse 12, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. There are six different types of building materials mentioned. And of these six different building materials that are mentioned, we can really classify them into two different categories. And the first is the, the, the order that, that the apostle has given us. Gold, silver, and precious stones. By precious stones, most people believe that what the apostle is saying is not necessarily diamonds, but more like marble. Beautiful stone that's used to build and to erect structures. So we've got on this one hand, we've got of these two categories, we've got gold, silver, and precious stones. And on the other hand, this other category of materials, we have wood, hay, and straw. Gold, silver, precious stones. And on the other hand, other building materials. Wood, hay, and straw. Let me ask you a question. 
If you were going to build a house, which one would you want to build your house out of? Gold, silver, and precious stones? Or wood, hay, and straw? Nobody knows. Let me take this time and tell you that I would much rather build my house out of gold, silver, and precious stone. But right now, my earthly house is built out of wood, hay, and straw. That wasn't intended to be funny at all. It was just a thought. I want us to look at five differences between these two categories. Six different building materials, two different categories, and five differences between them. First, look at this. Consider this. You may jot this down. One of the differences that we have between these six building materials or these two different classes of building materials is their origin. Their origin. Now, what I mean by that is, think about this. Gold, silver, and precious stone. Gold, silver, and marble on one hand. And on the other hand, you have wood, hay, and straw. And the apostle is talking about if you're going to build your life on that foundation, be sure and know that you're going to build using these six or these two different categories. So what do these two different categories mean? The difference is one of them is the origin. Gold, silver, and precious stone are an act of creation. They are the result of a creative act. Gold, silver, and marble were put here. Can you go to a gold farm? No. If you could, that would be a pretty sweet business to be in, right? Can you go to a marble farm? You can harvest marble from the ground. You can mine gold. You can mine silver. But you can't grow it. You can't manufacture it. It's there. It's already in the earth. Placed there as a result of the creative act of God they're not a result of growth it's not a result of watering or tending to it's not a result of tilling the soil or planting seed it's already there God put it there when he created the world however wood hay and straw are the result of natural growth. Wood, hay, and straw are the result of natural growth, while gold, silver, and precious stone are the result of the creative act of God. If we're taking these two categories, trying to see what the Apostle was saying, What's the difference? How do I take this teaching of this illustration and how do I break it down and unpack it? And and what's the message for my life? I believe this. I believe that those things that we build on our foundation that are good, that are going to last through this judgment that we're going to speak of in just a moment, I believe that if the good things that that I'm to build on with the gold, silver, and precious stone, I believe that those also are to be materials that are the product of the creation of God in my life. By that, I mean from the moment I was born again. The moment I became that new creation in Christ. That which is a result of His creative work in me from salvation. I believe that all of those works those things that I do in my life that are a result of His creative work in me 
as a believer that shoot forth, that stem forth from having his own spirit living and dwelling and abiding in me works the new work of God in my life, the result of the new man in me. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. It should not be a surprise to us at all that gold and silver all speak of glory and majesty. When I build on the foundation for my salvation in Jesus Christ, I need to build using that which glorifies, honors, and brings majesty to His name. When you look at wood, hay, and stubble, they are the result of natural growth. If we compare these differences in our life and that, that there are things that are, that, that are the result of my new birth in Christ, my new creation, being a new creation in Christ, which are love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, all of those fruit of the Spirit that we speak of in Galatians, those things that come from my life, I can also build off of those things that are the results of natural growth, envy, strife, division, hatred, lust. All of those things can grow from my life. I can do the right thing for the wrong reason in envy. I can, I can be very, very uh, double-faced, and I can appear on one side that I'm doing something, but have the absolute wrong motive, which we'll speak of in just a moment, in my life. And the apostle is saying that if you're building on that foundation that you need to build using the good material. Gold, silver, and precious stone. They have a very different origin. One is the result of a creative act of God. The other is a result of natural growth. Consider the work to get them. Not just their origin. Now I'm not going to say it's not difficult to cut wood. If I say that cutting wood and hauling wood is not difficult, I may have a few people wanting to talk to me after service. If I say that hauling hay is not hard work, I may have some people again lining up to speak with me after service. And you don't want to make hay haulers mad. They can, they can, they can take it out on you for sure. So I'm not saying that these things are not hard work. I'm not saying that, that splitting or milling wood, I'm not saying that construction with wood is, is not difficult. And I'm definitely not saying that, that getting straw on hay is not difficult. But I'm saying that in light of the other comparison, in light of mining gold, mining silver, and refining both of those, in, in light of those things, and even in light of, of bringing out the marble and cutting it to the precise measurements to build your home, I would have to agree, we'd all have to agree that the handling of gold, silver, and precious stone requires more, is more labor-intensive than building with wood, hay, or straw. So I can also take from this that when I build using the resources that are good and that will pass through the fire, it's not just going to be a work that is representative of, God, of Christ's new creative work inside of me, but it's also going to be hard work. It's going to be difficult. 
you know this. You don't need me to spend much time in, in discussion about this or in commentary about how difficult it is to live the life that Christ has called us to live. You don't need me to tell you how difficult it is to read the Scriptures and to walk in obedience to those and, and how, how we have so many, so many trials and so many difficulties and, and so many bad examples all around us, not to mention our own sinful nature. You don't, have, you don't need me to tell you how difficult it is to build a structure using gold, silver, and precious stone. They're not just different in their origin. They're not just different in their, their labor or the work to retrieve these materials, but they're also different in their beauty. Can you imagine the difference? How much more beautiful a house would look if it was built with gold, silver, and marble compared to a house that's built with wood, thatched with straw and stubble? Oh, I understand that we teach that it's not about external beauty. But no doubt the Apostle is putting this in there to contrast these two things. One is, a, is, a, is one that was placed in the ground by God. The other is one that grows. And now he's saying, there's a, now we get an idea that there's a difference in beauty. I love wood. I love wood tech. I love the way wood looks. But I promise you, I like the way gold looks a whole lot more. Let's just do a poll. Ladies, it's my control group, I'm sorry. How many of you, honestly, when your husband came to propose, how many of you would, lo would have loved it? It would not have changed anything had he got on his knees and handed you a ring that he made out of the stock of a wheat. Or maybe one that he made out of wood. Would that have changed anything for you? Certainly not, right? If he reaches, gets down on one knee and looks up at you and says, baby, I'm telling you that I want you to be my wife. And he opens up this beautiful box. I mean, a black box. It's got the little fuzzy all over it. And he opens it up and you look and you gasp. Because it's made out of oak. 14 karat oak. I assure you. I will save you from having to raise your hand or amen or say anything. And I will tell you that you are probably more thankful that your husband made you a ring or provided a ring for you that was gold, silver, some other type of precious metal rather than wood, hay, or stubble. Because it's beautiful. But not just because it's beautiful, but because it's valuable. Yes, wood has value, hay has value, straw has value, but all of that value pales in comparison to the value of gold, silver, and marble. Guys, one of the reasons why there is such a difference in value of wood, hay, and straw compared to gold, silver, and marble is because of the scarcity of the product. We don't have gold farms. We don't have silver farms. We have gold mines and silver mines. You can get imitation marble, but to make marble, you can't. You have to find it 
and cut it and mine it. You see, the funny thing is this. I believe that when we are living a life, when we are building on our life, those material, using or those acts that we're doing, the work that we're doing that is reflective of our new birth, that it honors and glorifies the name of Jesus Christ, that it seeks to, to bring honor to Him even above ourselves. When we live those kind of lives, I tell you that they are also very scarce. Very rare to run into that. And partly because if it's all about Jesus, we're not going to make a big deal about it. We're not going to publish it because then that would undo all the reason for why we were doing it in the first place. But you know, you've seen many people that live for themselves. You've seen many people that are living to draw attention to them. You've seen many people that live for a, a various amounts of different reasons. But when you find that one person or those people that are living for Christ and Christ alone. They want to be a God-honoring father. They want to be a God-honoring mother and wife. They want to be a God-honoring student. They want to be a God-honoring senior. When you find that person who is building on their life those things that reflect the glory and honor, they're living for Jesus Christ from the very core, you probably also would agree that in today's world, that is very rare. The scarcity, it seems, of building with those particular type of resources. One of the reasons, one of the differences, and the final difference, the fifth difference, is not just because of the scarcity, but notice the difference in size. The price... Dan Nally, how much is the price of an ounce of gold? $1,500? $1,544 for the price of an ounce of gold. $1,500 for an ounce of gold. How much for an ounce of wood? $1,500 from our resident gold guy. $1,500 for an ounce of gold. What, $45 for a rick of wood? $45, $50 for a rick of good wood. I mean, good wood. Cut to the right specifications. It's good in season. $45 for a rick of wood. $1,500 for an ounce of gold. The size is so small. It doesn't seem to be right, does it? That something so small would be worth so much while something so big seems to be so relatively inexpensive and it's because it has more value. If I'm looking at this and I'm trying to take from these lessons and see how to apply them to my lives, I learned this. That building on the foundation of Christ, the works as the Apostle calls them, the works from my life that are done to honor and glorify Christ, that are done to magnify His name, the works that I do that are exclusively a result of the new creative work of Christ in my life may not be big. They may not be large at all. 
You may not see them. The city of Joplin may not see them. Other people may not see them. And all at the magnitude of the work that I've done or the work that I have been employed with on this earth that nobody else knows about. It may not be big. Aren't you glad that we worship a God who says that we can receive a reward for giving a cold cup of water? What an awesome God we worship to give that cup of water in Jesus' name. In 1872, D.L. Moody went to England and he preached at John Lessie's church, New Court Congregational Church. And he said at half past six, it seemed as though the Spirit of God fell in a way that he had never seen before. People were attentive to the words and incredibly responsive. At the end of that Sunday's sermon, he drew down the sermon to a close and he asked anyone, if he said, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to accept Christ as your Savior today, would you stand? In which he said that it appeared as the entire congregation stood that morning. He thought that they didn't understand what he was saying. So he asked them again and a few more people stood up in the congregation. He said, now if you really want to trust Christ as your Savior this morning, if you really want to be saved and you really want to talk to somebody about that, then I want you to go to the inquiry room. So many people flooded into the inquiry room that they had to bring in extra chairs. When Mr. Moody walked into the room and looked and saw all of those people in the inquiry room, he still thought that they misunderstood what he was saying. And he told them this, Go home, and tomorrow I'll see you again. And if you want to trust Christ as your Savior tomorrow, then meet me back here on Monday. Brother Moody went on a short little trip to visit another pastor friend of his, and he had no sooner gotten there when he had received word that he needed to come back early. He walked back into the church on Monday and found that there were more people there Monday than there had previously been on Sunday. The pastor, John Leslie, no doubt was amazed at this outpouring of the Spirit of God that he had seen. But D.L. Moody was such, a, was such a spiritual, insightful man, he realized that this was the result of someone praying. So immediately, Moody asked the congregation, Who is your prayer warrior? Who is that person that you count on to pray? And they told him, Marianne Adlard. They took D.L. Moody in to see Marianne Adlard, and what he found out was he, he went into the room with a woman who was, quote, distorted and twisted by a life of suffering, bedridden, a young lady, unable to get out of her bed. But even though she was unable to get out of her bed, she spent hours upon hours in her bed praying intercessory prayer for her congregation. She met Brother Moody and she said, I knew you would come. And upon further discussion, he found out that Mary Ann Adlard had read a, a clipping of his, of his work in Chicago, reaching the poorest of children. And she began to pray from the moment she read that, Lord, send that man to this church and bring with him a revival. Bring that man to this church. And with him, bring a revival. 
small, valuable, hard origin. Guys, that is building a life. That is erecting a structure on the foundation that is made of gold, silver, and precious stone. That is a life that is hard to live. That is a life that is hard to stay committed to. That is a life that many people probably would have had no idea that it was her prayers were a major result of the outpouring of God that day. Because she was Marianne Aldred. A young woman twisted and distorted by much suffering. And yet, beyond what many people knew, she was indeed a prayer warrior that God had used in an amazing way. Through small acts. Valuable acts. Acts that were clearly a result of her new birth in Jesus Christ. Hard work that indeed was beautiful. The great thing about it is that we have a God who hears the prayers of all who mention them. For his glory. Amen. I want to show you the last thing this morning. First was the foundation that's laid. Secondly, the materials that are used. And third is the manner of inspection. We're told in verse 10 to take heed how he builds. Each one take heed how he builds on it, on that foundation. Uh, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Three things I want you to consider about this particular type of home inspection, if you will. And the first is this, it's certain. The apostle says that the day will declare. He's saying that there will be a day when each one of us will give an account. This is not anything new in the Apostles' doctrine. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For each one of us must come before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive the things done in our body, whether good or bad. And this is something that we have to consider that we often forget about, is that my life, the works from my life, the, the life that I'm building on this foundation of Jesus Christ, is ultimately going to receive a home inspection someday. And that home inspection is going to be done by the great inspector, the one who knows all things, looks beyond action, and looks to the motives, and that's Jesus Christ. And when I look at this, what I see in this is that that day is certain. And if this is an absolute truth, if it is true that there is coming a day that we all must stand before God and give an account, not of our sin, but of the life we invested. Remember, as believers, praise God, our sins have been covered on the blood of, by the blood of Calvary. Remember that? Amen for that, huh? That it's not going to be the... My sins will never come up again because they've been covered. They've been forgiven. I've been justified in Christ as a believer. But I still will stand before God someday. And I will still 
give an account of how I invested my life. I think the average age is 75 years. Right around there. 75 years is the average age of an American. 75 years in relationship to eternity. When I consider that little bitty speck of a speck of a speck of time that 75 years is in relation to something that has no end, and yet how often I invest my resources in those 75 years and how little it seems I invest sometimes in eternity. It's certain it will happen. If this is an absolute truth, it doesn't require you to believe it for it to happen. If it's an absolute truth, it will happen whether you believe it or not. It's one of the, one of the more awesome messages that we as believers have. That we all have a date with God in which we will give an account of how we invested our life for the purpose of gaining or losing rewards. It's not just certain, but it's complete. The apostle says each one's work will become clear. Remember work, what we're building on our foundation. It will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Three words stand out to me in verse 13. Clear, declare, and revealed. You see, it's not just complete and that it's going to be clearly seen. It's going to be clearly revealed. It's going to be all declared. It's not just complete in that sense, but it's complete in the scope of who undergoes it. And he says for believers, each one. We won't be able to stand as a group. It's not as though God is going to say, all right, well, all members of First Baptist Church, please come to the judgment seat. It's not going to be like that. We're not going to be able to move single file or even set in our favorite pews. It's an individual an individual type of accounting. And the third thing is this. It is certain. It is complete. And the last, I want you to notice the content. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is of what sort it is what type it is now here's the great thing when that master inspector on that day is inspecting the structure of the life that I've lived and the testimony and the witness that I've lived, and he's investigating and, 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 and surveying this structure that I've built. He's not looking at the size of the building. He's not looking at how big it is, because let me tell you something, a big pile of sticks will just make a bigger fire. 
A big pile of hay and straw. A life that you may have been involved in a lot of activity, but very little of it was for the cause of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you were doing some things that appeared to be for Jesus Christ, but really you were doing them for your own recognition and your own glory. Those things, when they go through, Jesus is going to look at what sort it is, not what size it is, not, not, not anything other than the content of what it is. And what is going to happen is it's going to go through the fire. And we stand and we watch as that life goes through the fire. And what comes out on the other side will be the reward. Or we will suffer loss. Praise God. Not the loss. Not the loss of our salvation. The loss of our rewards. You know, I can think of no more humbling thing in my life. I can think, I can... I don't know that my mind has the ability to conjure up any more of an amazing image than to know that Jesus Christ, who always is, has been, and always will be, who created me and formed me while I was still in my mother's womb, and who came to the earth 2,000 years before I was ever born, to die on a cross for my sins, to save my soul. One who is so great and yet humbled himself in such a manner to die for me and to be raised again gloriously and seated at the right hand of the Father. What a humbling, humbling thing to think that that great God in Christ Jesus promises to reward us richly for what He asked us to do, gave us the ability to do, showed us how to do it, and assists us in doing it. And isn't that just like God? That He would be so willing to give us these rewards for a life that He's called us to, enabled us to live, helps us, assists us in living it, walks beside us, gives us the ability to do it in the first place. Isn't it amazing that He would so richly give to us and something He has such a hand in? And yet oftentimes we misappropriate our lives. We're willing to take the greatest rewards that the universe could offer and trade them in for earthly recognition, trade them in for an investment on this life which we know the Bible teaches will only pass away. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6 to lay up our treasure in heaven where Moth does not destroy and rust does not corrupt, nor does thief break in and steal. And you know, today, it is my prayer that first as believers, we would say, God, help me today to recognize what I'm building on this foundation. 
if you know that you're saved, if you know that you have that foundation in your life in Jesus Christ because you've received Him as your personal Lord and Savior, if you know that, would you, would you be willing to say today, God, help me inspect my life right now. I would much rather have my home inspected here, my life inspected here, than to go all through my life and stand before God and lose rewards that the King of glory wants to present to me. I would much rather suffer loss down here than to suffer the loss eternally of eternal rewards and to watch them go up. I hope today that if you know that you're saved, you might ask that. Because God will be quick to respond, I believe, to those who legitimately say, God, inspect my home here. Not of what size it is, but of what sort it is. Is my life beautiful? Does it reflect the glory of Christ? Am I growing in my relationship? Am I becoming a new creation? Am I, are my actions a result of that new creative work in me? Am I honoring and glorifying you? Am I honoring and glorifying myself? Christ is the home inspector. Help, help show me what needs to be changed. But lastly, let me say this. If you're here and you don't know that you have that salvation, if you don't know that you have that foundation in your life, praise God today, you can have the security to know that you can approach Christ boldly. You don't have to be afraid of that day. You can know today, Lord, it's not based off of what I've done. It's not based off of any good works. It's not based off of my actions. It's based exclusively off of Your love and Your grace and Your mercy shown to me on the cross. And today we can say, Lord Jesus, if You've never done it, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned. And Lord, today, I ask You by the finished work of what You did on the cross, You paid my penalty. And today, I receive You as my Lord and Savior. Thank You, God, for Your eternal salvation that You've made possible for me today. If you prayed that today and you meant that in your heart from your heart to God's heart, I believe that you, as Scriptures say, you have that foundation. And I hope that from here today you will go and build. If you just prayed that prayer, you'll take that first step of obedience and walk in baptism. That you'll seek God's will for your life. That you'll honor Him as a result of that new birth that He has just placed within you. I'm going to ask you as we sing in just a moment. I'm going to pray. And after I say amen, I'm just going to ask you all to stand with me. And as we stand and sing, if you have a decision that needs to be made, maybe you prayed that this morning and you want to share that. Whatever it is, rededication of your life, church membership. Maybe you're surrendering to vocational call of ministry that you know God has placed on your life. Whatever it is, you need to pray, whatever. I want you to respond to that according to God's will. Father, I thank You that as Your children, we can be saved so as by fire. Thank You, God, that You love us and that You want to give us good gifts. You want to reward us, Lord, 
And I pray, Lord, in our hearts today that we will always be able to look to You as the Lord of our life, those who have trusted You as our Savior. And we would begin asking those questions. Lord, what do You want me to do? Lord, what's Your plan for my life? That we would seek to honor and glorify You in every avenue of our life, in our workplace, in our home, in our professional, and in our casual. Father, I pray that You would do a work that You receive glory from for many years to come, Lord, in the life of this community and in the life of these people. And if there are any, Lord, this morning that prayed that prayer for the first time to receive Your Son, that today would be the day that that foundation is laid and they begin building on it immediately with gold, silver, and precious stone. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Stand together, please.